When we pray these things for our kids, that we want them to be leaders, we want them to be fearless, we want them to be brave, we want them to be a light in a dark world, then God has to build that in them. And the only way He's going to build that in them is for them to taste and see that He is good. And that's only going to come through Him walking them through hard times. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. Today, we are bringing you a repost of our most listened to story ever, which is Melanie Shankel uh, talking about parenting and walking her daughter through a difficult season. And we thought, what a better way to end the year than to give you what you loved hearing, you pass it along to friends, and some encouragement for next semester for your kids, possibly. That's right, Robin. Melanie was actually episode 177, and we got such great feedback from this story. So I know you guys are going to like it. If you've already heard it, you're going to want to listen to it again. Right. (laughs) So here's Melanie, and we will see you guys next week. We hope you had a great Christmas and just shared special time with your family. And as, as 2022 comes to a close, would you please consider partnering with us and donating to our ministry? We are a 501c3, so all donations are tax deductible. And you get to support more women hearing stories of hope found in Jesus all over the world. Our podcast is heard in over 60 countries, and it is making a difference in the lives of women. So please partner with us and go to storytellerslive.org slash give, or you can simply click the link below in our show notes. All donations go to offset the expenses of our ministry, and we wish you a happy, happy 2023. And here's Melanie. So my name is Melanie Shankel. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a speaker. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. Um, I've been married to my husband, Perry, for almost 25 years. It'll be 25 years in August. And we have one child, our only child, um, who's named Caroline, who is now a freshman in college. And it's around Caroline that my story begins, because let's be honest, most of us have no clue what we're doing when we're parenting our kids. I was such a better parent before I actually became a parent. I had a lot of answers. And most days I now feel like, um, I think this is right. Um, Maybe this is the right answer. I don't know. But it's the thing that we all want to be great at. We want to have all the right answers. We want to give them the things that they need to ensure that they don't end up living in a van down by the river. But we don't always know what those things are. And I feel like here's the tricky part. Every new stage requires a new set of skills. So just when you think that you're amazing because you taught a human how to use the bathroom in the toilet, um, the game changes and potty training um, just becomes a distant memory with only lingering traces of post-traumatic stress involved. And then you get to the teen years. And if the teen years weren't painful enough the first time, you have to do it again with a person that you love even more than you love yourself. And to me, this can lead to fantasizing about yanking a 13-year-old girl by the ponytail and telling her to straighten up and act right. And sometimes that girl is your own child. As a parent, I feel like I just want to say, as I begin to tell this story, I have made mistakes. I have not done this perfectly. I'm going to continue to make mistakes, even as I raise this child that's now a young adult. I've been too strict and I've been too lenient. Um, I've probably yelled too much and I haven't yelled enough. I've second guessed the decisions that Perry and I've made. And ultimately, I feel like every day I find myself on my knees just asking God to cover the places where we get it wrong because you are going to get it wrong. I always say that parenting is 
some days like a pop quiz and surprise, there's an essay portion at the end that you didn't know about. That's how it feels. So a little bit about Caroline. She is, like I said, she is our only child. She is a strong-willed kid. If you are an Enneagram person, I will tell you that she is a hard Enneagram eight just through and through, which means that she is a challenger. She speaks her mind. She's not afraid of confrontation. Um, She is just everything that an eight is. She gets it from her dad. Um, And I've always said that she and her dad share the personality trait that if something, if somebody doesn't like them, then they're like, then something must be wrong with that person because it's nothing wrong with them, which is such a different thing from my personality. I am an Enneagram nine. I'm a peacemaker. I'm a people pleaser. I want everybody to like me. I want peace and harmony and all of that stuff. So for me to raise a daughter whose personality is so different um, was such a challenge because my my prayer has always been like, God, just soften her rough edges where they need to be softened because I don't want to come in and make her softer or weaker than you've created her to be. And even like to give you an insight into her, when she was a toddler, one of the ways that I disciplined her is we had this little chair, this little timeout chair, and it was in her room. And so she would throw these fits. She would throw these huge fits and she would always come out of them saying, happen, happen. And I would say, what happened was, is you lost your mind. Like, but she would go sit in the timeout chair for whatever amount of time was appropriate for her age. And every time I would go back to get her, there would be a puddle of spit on the floor where she had sat in that chair and spit the entire time that I made her sit in that chair, which I felt like was her way of number one, cussing me out, but not knowing bad words. And also just saying, you can make me sit here, but you can't make me like it. So that's who she is. And so honestly, I like the spirit. I like the fight in her. I liked seeing it because I just knew that God was going to use it for good things. And that was my prayer is from the earliest days of being a mom, I was just praying that God would use those qualities in her to make her bold and fearless and brave and a leader who would point people around her to him, that that's how she would be used. But what I didn't think about is I prayed those prayers was what God would need to do in her life to build that and the ways that her character would need to be developed and shaped and the things that she would have to go through because we all have to go through things. You know, it's like we look at our own lives and go the very things that made us who we are are probably some of the hardest things that we went through. I always laugh because we watched the movie Finding Nemo a million times when she was little. And I always think about when Marlon is telling the fish Dory about Nemo. And he said, but I promised him nothing would ever happen to him. And she said, well, that's a funny thing to promise because if nothing ever happened to him, then nothing could ever happen to him. And I always think about that because, you know, I think as a parent, we want to keep our kids so safe and secure and we don't want anything to happen, but that's not going to build them into who God has created them to be. So kind of back to the story is we went through her elementary school years and even her junior high years, which we all know can be so treacherous. um, I really breathed a sigh of relief that they hadn't been as hard as I thought they would be. I felt like I had, I had really prepared myself for the worst and they were good. You know, she was a happy kid. She had a fun personality. She always managed to find her way. Other kids liked her. She always had a few close friends that we could have over for play dates and all of that. You know, and I had really worried about middle school because, well, it's middle school, but they were fairly drama free. And so I naively, by the time we got to our freshman year of high school, thought, well, we've made it through fairly unscathed. You know, we've had little little things here and there, but for the most part, nothing has been an issue. And I thought that we were going to be okay. But then we got to her sophomore year of high school. 
And even now, four years later, if we are talking about something really awful in our family or something that somebody's going through, we just go sophomore year. Like that's become a code for like just the worst is sophomore year. And so she started her sophomore year of high school with a group of friends who seemed to be sweet girls. You know, and it's it's interesting as a mom, like looking back, I mean, these were girls that we'd invited to our home. We had taken some of them on vacation with us, like they had spent time with us. And I don't know that I ever loved her group. You know, I mean, I saw little things here and there, but I was like, you know what? It's fine. And we're high school kids and we're all just, they're all trying to figure it out. And so we're going to figure this out together. And I want these girls in our home and I want to um, hopefully instill in them the love of our family and the love of Jesus and all those things that we really wanted to portray. And Caroline was never really one and still isn't to have a huge group of friends because she's like me. Um, in the way that she's always preferred a handful of close, loyal friends over a large group of surface friends. Um, And she also has the aforementioned strong personality. And I don't know if you know this, but a strong personality that speaks her mind and doesn't play games and tends to be really honest doesn't necessarily translate well to the high school social economy. Sometimes people don't appreciate those things and they don't know how to handle those things. And so that was where, you know, a lot of my prayers about her rough edges, but she walked into her sophomore year full of optimism. It was going to be her first year as a varsity soccer player. More importantly, her braces were finally off. She had had her glow up. And things were pretty great until mid-September hit. And we just began to watch everything around her disintegrate. Her group of friends completely turned against her. And I would honestly tell you all the ins and outs of everything that happened, but I still don't even know. You know, it's one of those that I've, you know, I've racked my brain and I've talked to her and I know different things, but I still don't know exactly what happened. You know, how, why, why did this happen? Why did they all turn? I think some of it involved a boy that one of them liked. I think some of it involved some jealousy. I think some of it involved a lot of insecurity, but there was one girl in particular um, who ironically Caroline had brought into the group because she seemed lost and seemed like she needed friends. And so Caroline brought her into the group, but she became relentless in what felt like a quest to ruin Caroline's life. Um, She texted her a nuclear text where she promised to, you know, quote, ruin her life and tell whatever lies she had to tell to make that happen. She admitted it. I was stunned. And at the same time, Caroline discovered that two of the other girls who were pretending to still be her friend were texting horrible lies about her behind her back um, when they accidentally included her in a text that she was never meant to see. And as a girl who prized loyalty and friendship and honesty, it was just awful. It was just an awful time that was heartbreaking. And as a mom, you sit there and your heart is breaking, but you don't even know what to do. I mean, all I could do was pray. I could love her. We pulled her really close during that time. And, you know, we just didn't know what to do. And as I say, like, I'm a peacemaker. So I felt like my go-to was like, this is going to pass. Like, this is a misunderstanding. And I also want to make it really clear that I was very dialed in and asking her, like, is this something you have done? Because I never want to be that mom that's like, well, that's not my kid. You know, maybe your kid's acting like that, but it's not mine. You know, I want to be aware of where, because I want to be able to parent that and to help her. But it really was this thing where she really hadn't done anything. She just got caught up in the drama that high school girls, I think, like to have sometimes when they're bored. I don't, I don't know. But every day I would pick her up from school and there would be tears on the way home as she told me 
the latest development, what had happened that day, you know, and like I said, I kept saying, was it something you did? What caused all of it? But she was honestly as confused as I was. And she had even asked the girls repeatedly, like, can we please sit down? Can we talk this out? Can we figure out like, what did I do? But they weren't interested in that. They just wanted to continue the drama. It was awful. And I watched my happy, secure, confident girl become a shell of herself. And she was told things every day, like the world would be better off without you. And maybe you should just kill yourself. And she told us that the ringleader of the group, the girl that she had brought in, had started even following her into the bathroom at school just to continue to torment her, just to continue to say these awful things to her. And I don't know if there's anything harder for a mom than watching your child hurt and feeling helpless to change it. And so I thought of a million different solutions in my mind. We could change schools. We could homeschool or we could move to a new city. You know, we could do anything, but God just kept telling me to be still and trust him. It was like, we've, we've got to be still. And when you look at the Hebrew, when I looked back at be still, sometimes that just means let go. And so I felt like I've got to let go. I've got it. This is, this is part of her journey. And so I did my best to do exactly that. I said more prayers than I even know to pray, pray. And in the middle of all this, I had to travel for a speaking engagement. And as soon as I arrived at the hotel, I called home to check in. And that's when I found out that Caroline had had another truly awful day at school. I wish desperately that I wasn't so far away because, you know, when your child's hurting and you can't be there, it's awful. And it really was the breaking point. And so at that point, I decided enough was enough. And I called the mother of one of the girls who was sending these awful texts to ask if she knew what was going on. And she responded and told me that she did. And she had seen the text, but this was just girls being girls. And I couldn't believe it because in my mind, if another mother had called me and said that my child was sending things like this, or if I had seen that on my phone, number one, she would never have a phone again the rest of her life. As far as I was concerned, we would shut it down. And so I thought the fact that you're making me feel like I'm overreacting was shocking to me. And so I didn't even know what to do with this, but I was like, well, this is where it's coming from because how is a girl going to be any different than what she's been taught or raised to be? And so I left for my speaking event shortly after I got off the phone and I got through the first session of my talk that night without incident. But then I began speaking during the next session. And I got to this point where I was talking about life not always turning out like you hoped. And I just found myself in tears. Like I just, I couldn't go on. Like even now I get choked up thinking about it and I had to stop and I had to compose myself. But I ended up just sobbing right there in front of these women as I shared what was going on in our lives and how hard it was to watch Caroline struggle. And it was this moment where I went from being semi-script to being totally raw and vulnerable. And I felt like I was on stage in my underwear. It was the worst. It was like, what is happening? But you know what happened is one sweet woman jumped up in the middle of my talk from the front row and brought me a box of Kleenex. And then another one grabbed me a water bottle. And I could feel that something in that church sanctuary shifted. And in that moment of this unplanned honesty and emotion, God entered in and everything got real. And the women in that church will have my heart forever because they were there for me. And after my talk was over, I lost count of how many of them came up to me and hugged me and shared their own stories of going through this with their daughters and to encourage me and to tell me that they would be praying for Caroline and for my family. And in that moment, they became my friends. They became exactly what I needed in that moment. And what God knew in that moment is just a real life support system. And we all showed each other our true selves and the ways that we felt broken, but had come out stronger on the other side. And based on their stories, I thought, well, we are in the middle of a mean girl epidemic. This is a different town in a different city. And that to me has been 
the thing that I've learned as I share this at different times, with Caroline's permission, by the way, is that this goes on everywhere. And why aren't we teaching our girls to be better than this? That there's enough out there for everyone. It seems like we're all operating out of this lack, which is such a lie because we don't need to feel insecure or like other girls are our competition because there's enough for all of us. God has something different for all of us. And so it was shortly after this time when I got home, when we had finally had enough and Perry, my husband, who is also an Enneagram eight told Caroline that night, he said, you've tried to be nice. You've tried to talk it out. You've taken the high road, but this is war and it's time to fight back. And I immediately saw her countenance change. I'm a peacemaker and I've been encouraging her to be kind, to not respond, to write it out. But those things weren't working. And what she needed in that moment was to know that it was okay to stand up and fight back. She knew that it was okay. And Perry told her, if they follow you into the bathroom again, you tell them that this is over and you're going straight to the high school administration and we will meet you in the office. And he said, if one of them takes a swing at you, you take her down. So is that what Jesus would have done? I don't totally know. But I do know that in that moment, that what our girl needed was to know that we had her back and that it was time for her to stand up for herself and that she had done everything that she could do. She was tired of being passive. And God showed me in that moment that he was going to equip her to get through this. And that's exactly what happened the next day. Um, The administration stepped in and implemented disciplinary steps that basically ensured the harassment would stop. And this is in a public school or that the girls would face more severe consequences. And, you know, you look back and go, should we have stepped in earlier? You know, that was my question. Like, should we have done something earlier? And I don't know. I mean, that goes into, I'm not perfect. As a parent, it's so hard to know how long you let your child fight their own battles. But I do feel like God gave us the wisdom to know when it was time to step in And when enough was enough. And, you know, during this time, the other thing is that Perry and I had stuck closer to her than ever before. I think the thing about parenting teens is they want to act like they don't really need you or want you around at a time when the truth is they desperately need you. Um, They need your reassurance. They need your love. They need home to be a safe space, a safe harbor from the storm, a place where they know they are unconditionally loved because the world is coming for them. And it was during this time that I told C because I had these like daily pep talks for her, you know, just all these things. And one day I was talking and, you know, as a mom, you just ramble these things that you hope are going to help. You just throw stuff out, just hoping one of them will stick. And I said, hey, I go, just remember that the rarest orchid blooms in adversity. And she looked at me and she goes, is that from Mulan? And yes, it was. It was from the movie Mulan. So I thought, you know, considering that I'm a Christian speaker and writer, maybe I need to come up with something more profound than a line from Mulan. And so I prayed about that. And God led me to Jeremiah 17, 8, which says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. And what I love about those verses as I shared them with Caroline was it doesn't say that a tree planted by the water won't experience drought or heat because it will. And it doesn't say that it won't have hard times because it will. It says when its roots are deep, it will never fail to bear fruit or have green leaves in spite of all those things. And when our trust is in God, then we're like that tree that drought is going to come. Heat's going to blaze overhead. Hard times are going to happen. Friendships are going to fail. But when our roots are deep in the love God has for us and deep in the word of God and his truth, we're going to come out stronger and wiser on the other side with a story to tell of all the ways that God is faithful, even in the hardest times. 
And, you know, I wish that I had this answer for you because I know if you're a mom listening, what what you want is a three-step plan of what you do when your daughter is experiencing friend drama. And I don't have the answer. There is no answer. I don't have the answer for how to stop the toxic dynamics um, that seem to occur with regularity among teenage girls. I believe that they're rooted in insecurity. I believe that they're rooted in not having a spiritual compass. Uh, But the only factor we can control is how we're raising our own daughters or our own sons for that matter. And I believe, and it's, you know, I've written a book about it, but I believe one of the most important things we need is to pass down to girls is what the beauty of female friendship looks like and what it adds to our lives and to teach them that we need people in our lives who will listen to our stories and be there for us because it seems like we're raising a generation that creates a fake community. It's a cheap imitation like Snapchat and Instagram. And so you can communicate in all these shallow ways without commitment. And our girls are being trained to think that likes on a TikTok post are more important than real people. And I also believe that we can't prepare them for the real world if we're constantly protecting them from the real world. You can't raise a delicate flower in a greenhouse and then put that flower out in the wild and expect it to survive. It's never going to make it. And I believe the darkness wants to come for our kids, that evil is everywhere, that it's looking for a chance or people to tell them that they are less than, that they're inadequate, that they'll never be enough, that their life doesn't matter. And I know that bullying has gone on from the beginning of time. It's never been easier now that we can hide behind our phones. And as I like to say, and sometimes not this delicate of a way that we can show our rear end without showing our face, but people are more fragile than they appear. And our kids are looking to us to model appropriate behavior. And they may not act like they're paying attention. They may not acknowledge they're paying attention, but they know better than anyone if we are who we appear to be outside our home, if that's the same person we are inside the walls of our home. And if we can just teach our daughters that our true identity is found in Ephesians 2.10 that says that they are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God had prepared advance for them to do, and that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that God put them in their family, in their school, in their sport, in their community for this time and in this generation for a unique reason, and that they don't need to find power or make hurt themselves feel better by trying to make someone else feel small and insignificant, that we are never going to feel more empowered or confident than we just run our own race that God has for us. Um, Proverbs 22, six says to train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. And how training isn't really fun. It's not easy. I just worked out this morning and I hated every minute of it because I don't want to do it, but I'm also 50. So if I want to continue to be able to walk, it's like a necessity. Um, But it takes work and perseverance and dedication to raise our kids. And I will tell you, as somebody who sent their child off to college this fall, it goes lightning fast. You blink and 18 years are gone. And so all we can do is pour into them while we can and know that our kids are going to model what we what we model, what we show them more than what we say. And so let me tell you the rest of the story. So sophomore year. As awful as it was, it developed a resilience and a strength in Caroline that God knew she was going to need. All the prayers that I'd prayed for her to be a strong leader began to be answered in that year as she developed character. Um, It helped her develop empathy. Um, She realized the importance of being true to her faith and her values, even when no one was looking, because the thing that I kept telling her is these girls are wanting to destroy you and your reputation, but because you have lived your life in such a way, nobody's going to believe them you know, and there's nothing that they can show because that's not who you are. And that's where that had come into play. 
she grew up her sophomore year. I mean, I look back and think that was a year where she gained so much maturity and she realized, you know, she had gotten to where she became the shell of herself and she wanted to kind of diminish her strong personality and be less than God created her to be in an attempt to make other people feel comfortable. And she realized that that's not a way to live because she is not called to live in a way that makes other people around her feel less threatened by who she is. God made her that way for a reason. And so she had a decision to make, and we talked about it a lot. Was she going to let these things break her, or was she going to use them to become stronger? We told her that good things come from adversity, but this was the first time she was really going to have to put that to the test. But this is when that toddler who used to spit on the floor used that strong will for good. She adapted. She refused to be a victim. I've always said we are not a victim. And she made the best of a really hard situation. She trusted God. I watched her grow in her faith because it became real to her. And I think there were times where she felt like all she had to lean on was Jesus. She became captain of her school soccer team. She graduated with honors. She got accepted into her dream college. And so, you know, I'd like to tell you that in all that, that the rest of her high school years were magical and wonderful and like a scene out of Greece. And there was a fun carnival at the end where we celebrated, but that's a lie. It was all an uphill battle. From that point on, it was all an uphill battle. She never really found her people. She struggled with being lonely, but during those years, we always pointed her back to God and the fact that only he could fill those lonely places in her heart. And she needed to look to him for her security and her self-worth. I also told her repeatedly that college would be the place where she would find her people. And I said it so much that I got scared. I was overselling it where I was like, please, Lord, you're going to have to come through on this because I have said it so many times. But I have to tell you that during her first year of college, I have seen God be so faithful to redeem. And I could cry what was lost in high school with what he's done her freshman year of college. He has surrounded her with amazing friends who love Jesus like she does. She's had amazing, great experiences. She's had more fun than she can pack into one day based on how little sleep she gets. She's grown spiritually in ways that I never could have envisioned. Um, She recently applied to be a counselor um, at Impact, which is a Christian-based freshman orientation camp at her school. And she sent me her application to proofread. And part of it was that she had to put in her testimony. And when I got to her testimony, you know, it's funny because I was preparing to tell this story and then it all kind of culminated in this thing. And I read her words and I asked if I could share this. And what she wrote was the summer before college, I felt something stirring in me and I knew I had to be strong for a little bit longer. I cut off everyone from high school that was dragging me down. I was without friends and it was extremely hard. But then my whole world exploded. God's goodness overwhelmed me. And for the first time, I felt hope, light, and love in my life. And I realized what it truly felt like to be saved by Christ. God lit a fire in my soul and I knew my life was about to make a total 180. My heart softened. I let people in. I found community. And I realized that nothing in the world could ever be better than Jesus. And my life has looked different ever since. Every day, every day, God heals more in me and teaches me something new. And so that is who she is today. And, you know, I look back at sophomore year and as awful as it was, is I'm like, if this is what it led to, if this is what God was creating, if this is what God was doing in her, then it was worth it. You know, it was worth it. And recently Priscilla Shire posted an Instagram photo and it was a little video of a ballerina. And so one of her feet looks so beautiful and her point ballet shoes and her tights. And then you see the other foot is bare and you see the blisters and you see the tape and you see the scars and you see the splints. And it had this caption. It said, we have a tendency to look at the beautiful side of someone's life and envy it without considering the cost they paid for it, the pain they endured, the time spent, the wounds incurred, the sweat poured out, the discipline required. 
Be careful. When you find yourself longing for what someone else has, ask them to show you the underside first, the real side, the side that bears the scars of what they've been through. And then take a step back and ask yourself, is this a slipper I really want to wear? And that resonated so strongly with me because I thought when we pray these things for our kids, that we want them to be leaders, we want them to be fearless, we want them to be brave, we want them to be a light in a dark world, then God has to build that in them. And the only way he's going to build that in them is for them to taste and see that he is good. And that's only going to come through him walking them through hard times. And so this whole experience to me is a constant reminder to keep my faith, even when it all seems different than what I expected. That was not what I had planned. It wasn't what Caroline had planned. I wanted high school to be a magical, wonderful time. And thanks to, you know, friend drama and our good friend COVID, that did not happen. And that God may delay answer to our prayers. It may seem like he's not answering our prayers the way we want them to, but he's always faithful to deliver. It's believing that he knows what we need. He knows what he needs to develop in us. And he sees the whole big picture. And I'll kind of end my story with this. We are called and our kids are called to be the light of the world, a city on a hill. And in the days when Jesus spoke those words, a city lit up on a hill would have been a haven for weary travelers. It would have been a site that they were nearing a place where they would find a warm bed and a good meal to sustain them after a long, hard journey. And that's what we should want for our kids, to be a city on a hill, a safe harbor, a refuge for kids around them that are facing life storms and going through hard times and maybe don't have the family life and the love and the security that we are pouring into our kids. And the only way I know to accomplish that is to allow the love of Christ to take hold of our hearts and the hearts of our kids so that we can show each other how to find a way home when we're lost, to hold out hope when we see someone who is hurting, and that our differences only cause each of us to reflect our own unique ray of light in the midst of the darkest nights. We all sit here as parents. I have kids who are just entering high school, so mine are fifth, seventh, and ninth grade. And if I could pick a story that I would listen to 20 times, it's this one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And both of you have kids who are either now in college, out of college. Mm -hmm. I look to y'all for answers, you know, and Melanie just gives fantastic wisdom of walking your kids through hard things when you really don't want to. You really want their way to not be this difficult. Yeah. Every time a mom comes to me and wants to talk about raising daughters, especially, I mean, uh, boys have their own set of issues and certainly Mm -hmm. drama and friendship exists when you have boys. I can speak to that. But let me tell you something. It is more than likely that your daughter's friend groups will change. Mm -hmm. It is more than likely that someone that you're close to, that you have a friendship with as a mom, that their daughter will then do something that doesn't make sense to you because, you know, you're sitting there going, how can they treat them this way? And (laughs) this is the boat that all of us are in. Instead of helicopter, you've heard the example of being a helicopter parent, which Mm -hmm. I I could write a book on that, but that's another story (laughs) for another day. It's now we're, we're curling and that's an Olympic sport. If you've ever seen curling, I don't (laughs) know if y'all watched Mm -hmm. it with the Olympics just going off. It's curling and the Olympic um, athletes are, are working so hard to smooth that ice so that the the little curling uh, thing that slides will go further. Oh my gosh. And they look cool. exhausted. And I'm yes. thinking that is what wow. we do as mom. We want uh-huh. to smooth the way for our oh, kids. Wow. And it's Lindsay, just like what I you talked about in your story. Yes, yeah. I have chills too. We do. I've We're working never, so hard to smooth yes. the way instead I've never of trusting heard God. That analogy. No. And that is just a perfect analogy for what 
for what I've done in my life mm-hmm. is trying to make the road smooth for them. And, and you know, as much as we hear, you know, a story like Melanie's, it's hard to live that out mm-hmm. when you're in the moment yes. of trusting God. She kind of said that a little bit in the midst of it in that sophomore year mm-hmm. of like, okay, God, you know, where are you? And then finally just letting go. And now she's seeing the fruit of it. It was right. not, it was not a week later. It was not even a year later. It was, you know, three years later That's right. that she saw the fruit of that. And, you know, I can say it, you know, as a woman, you know, it's friendships can be hard. They mm-hmm. can be difficult. Um, you know, you have seasons with friends. And, you know, for a child, your daughter, to walk through that, it's very hard for them to understand mm-hmm. that. My goal has been to just try to point my daughter back to Christ. You know, going um, into college, Emma had, you know, just transitions of going into college and being homesick and being home a lot. And, and she had COVID college. And ha- had COVID <laughs> college, that's right, and, and, and friendships and trying to make new friends at college. And I will tell you, she leaned into God so much during that freshman year that it's just like what Melanie said. If that's what it took for her to lean into God, I would not trade that for anything. And and also the analogy that Melanie used with the orchid, like you can't raise an orchid in a greenhouse and then expect <laughs> it to live out in the wilderness and survive. Right. That was such a beautiful analogy, too. We want our children to experience these hard times in order for them to know God more. And yeah. that's just and where you need to stay. It's not good to peak in high school. <laughs> you, do, you say that all the time. I do. I do say that all the time. I mean, that's not high your school moment. is wonderful. I think a lot of us in, that grew up in the 80s had great high school experiences. But, you know, there, there's so much more. And if God can work yes, through that yes. and have that fruit on the other side, it's easy to say once you're on the right. other side. Because I would say for me, really just heading into these years, and I always say I'm very thankful that I have two boys first before my daughter Amen. comes. Your tendency is to go, oh, we need to change schools. Do we homeschool? Like I could so resonate as I'm listening to her story. My jaw is dropping at the difficult things her daughters walk through. And your answer is, well, let's just get you out of this situation and change it. Mm -hmm. And God said no. And when Mm -hmm. she talked about how some, when the phrase, he kept telling her to be still. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that phrase means let go. Mm -hmm. I wrote that down. I was like, wow. We are not only to be still, and but sometimes, like y'all were saying, it is letting this go instead of trying to control the situation and getting them out of it, right. is allowing God to smooth those rough edges like she talked yeah. about. There was so much here. I'm going to have to listen six times and take more notes and more notes and more notes Well, and as we a want, parent. Yes, and, and we want y'all to take courage and, and just rest in the fact that guess what? People, I mean, social media is an issue because everybody looks like they're included. Mm -hmm. Everybody looks like they're secure and confident. Mm -hmm. But but take rest in the fact that other people are experiencing exactly what you're going through. Mama, you are not alone. You Mm -hmm. are not alone. This has happened before. You are not the only one going through this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Susie, girl, you're not the only one that's ever gone through this. So there is mm-hmm. some comfort there. Mm-hmm. Again, it's easy for mm-hmm. me to say my, my daughters are out of high school. Praise but, the Lord. Well, but, well, I was just going to say, and I know we need to, to wrap this up, but I will say, you know, one of the things that I did appreciate about Melanie is she obviously had a lot of grace towards that family mm-hmm. and the daughter that, you know, was giving her mm-hmm. daughter a hard time. And, and we do need to recognize, too, and teach our daughters right. that we need to give grace because everybody is struggling with something, an insecurity, something they're going through. And I think that's also something important to learn from Melanie's story as well. Well, you know, again, trying I, I, for her to say, be the good little Christian girl. Yeah. 
You know, my daughters know this. We've had conversations. I've struggled with trying to make them something they're not. And um, if anybody needs to talk about that, call me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we talked in the beginning about the opportunity to ask Melanie questions on Patreon. And clearly we're sitting here. I'm like, there's so much I want (laughs) to say that I could just talk forever. Um, This is your chance. If you have questions, Lindy had said there's a link below in the notes to go over to Patreon. And if you're not a member, it's five or $10 a month, whatever you choose to support us financially. And you do, you get fantastic stories within the stories, you get devotions, but right now you get a and a We will take these questions sit down with Melanie and ask them to her and have a discussion where she's going to answer them all. So if you're not a Patreon member, if you have not joined today is the day to do so. And this is your chance to ask all of your parenting questions. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Share this episode with anyone you know that needs the encouragement. We know that it's not the three of us and Melanie that deal with us. We know that it is everyone. And this is a fantastic episode to share with any of your friends. So thanks for listening. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.